This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Save a Pooch on Pet Life Radio. Thank you for listening in today. I am Beverly Isla, your host. Today's episode will be focused on the shelter crisis that is currently happening. Well, it's been happening. And what are the statistics of shelter intake throughout the past few years? Now, many may have the idea that as virtual work increased, so did people getting pets. I've heard that as well. But is that actually true? And in what context? We have Executive Director of Shelter Animals Count, Stephanie Filer, is here with us today to shed some information on this data. In fact, the mission of Shelter's Animals Count is collecting and sharing credible data to positively impact animals and communities. So when we get back from these messages, we will hear from Stephanie. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Save a Pooch. We are talking with Shelter Animals Count. Executive Director Stephanie Filer. Thank you for taking the time to chat with me. I think there will be some eye-opening data here. Before we get into that, what is the story of the organization and the development of data and how its integrity is maintained? Yeah, thank you. Um, Shelter Animals Count was founded about 10 years ago. We're in our actually 11th year now. Um, by all of the national stakeholders who recognized that we didn't really have a consistent way of tracking and counting animals in our shelter system. And that includes brick and mortar shelters, government, municipalities, animal control services, and also foster-based rescues. And so Shelter Animals Count was essentially formed as an independent nonprofit organization to do just that. So we have um, been very diligent in collecting data from now almost 7,000 organizations across the country, all 50 states plus Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands. And we are um, continuing to compare and look at trends and also now look at forecasting to use the data that we have already to predict where our industry may be headed. So I guess you guys are relying on the individual shelters input? Yeah, so what we do is we all of our data is voluntarily submitted by the organizations that um, care for animals or animal related services. We also have a community services um, database as well. And we have a variety of ways that they can submit their data through manual or automated API integration. But essentially, we aim to focus on data integrity 
from an education standpoint too, to also make sure that the data is being entered consistently um, across mm-hmm. organizations and even within organizations. Uh, so that what we are looking at means what we think it means. So we trust shelters are doing the best they can with what they have. So we are there to help provide those tools and resources, whether they're a one person shop or an organization with hundreds of employees. Gotcha. Wow. That's a big task you guys have going on there. That's (laughs) awesome. So let's go back in time to pre-pandemic times. What was the overall picture at that time with rescue dogs and shelters from what you guys see? Yeah. So we've been looking at a lot of trends lately, and we kind of do look at this like pre-pandemic versus, which would have been 2019 versus the year of the pandemic, which we are saying mostly was in 2020, and then kind of a post-ongoing pandemic normal of 21 and 22. And so in 2019, we definitely saw our largest number of animal intakes, animals entering animal sheltering organizations than we have in the past four years. We also, though, saw our best rates of animals exiting the shelter system as well. So 2019 had a lot of animals in shelters, but also a lot of animals leading. So it it was kind of what we had seen the past three years leading up into the pandemic. And then 2020 hit and everything, as everybody knows, just became completely abnormal a lot of organizations had to shutter their operations, um, close doors completely, reduce services, et cetera. And so we kind of look at that as the anomaly. Um, and so now as we get to 20 and 21 and 22, we're starting to get back to where we were in 2019, but really ticking up a lot slowly, not anywhere near the levels of animals that we were at that time. Are you saying like right now is better than 2019? Well, it depends on what you look at. So there's kind of two ways of looking at it. You you can look at the number of animals served and then also their outcomes. So when we look at the number of animals served in 2019, we were definitely at our four-year high. And then when we look at the year since, we have seen, particularly related to last year in 2022, we were still 15% fewer animals than we were in 2019, but we were higher than 2021. So that's kind of indicating that stair step back up, but still quite a bit. 15% is really significant where we're talking about millions of animals. So we still have fewer animals coming through the doors. However, when we look at the animals that are leaving, that's where the concern really happens. And so what we developed last year was what we call this population balance calculation or PBC for short where we essentially look at of all of the animals entering and all of the animals leaving, where's that gap? Is that gap a net zero or is that gap more animals leaving than are entering or more animals staying behind than are are entering? And so when we look at that compared to 2019, that's where it's really glaringly um, less positive. So we all agree that fewer animals entering shelters is more positive, assuming all of the needs in the communities are being met. Right. But then when you look at the population balance calculation, we essentially just divide the rate of intake by outcomes. And anything that's 100% means the same amount of animals entering or leading. Anything below 100% means that fewer or more animals are staying behind. And anything over 100% means that they're starting to reduce their population. And so in 2019, we saw that we were basically at 100%. So about 100% of the animals entering were leaving. And so 
that's a balanced population. Although the goal is that we have no animals in shelters. So we really need that to be higher. 2020, no surprise. We had fewer animals coming in and we had even more going out. So we actually had 2% more animals leave than enter. So we started to see shelters really lower in population. Okay. That's a good thing. <laughs> that was a great thing. Right. So, and everybody kind of took a deep breath. We also have to factor in there was a lot of attrition and staff happening at that time. Um, a lot of new people were entering animal welfare. And so to them, that kind of was their baseline of normal, where to everyone else, this was like, okay, we've made some progress, but there's still work to be done. So then 2021 hit, and we started to see that imbalance happen, where we now had actually two, instead of the 2% more animals leaving, we now had 2% more animals staying behind in 2021. Okay. And then 20 and those all animals rolled over into January 1st of 2022. So we already were kind of upside down as last year happened. And then last year just really hit everybody hard. And we actually had by the end of last year, 4% of animals um, that were staying behind without any sort of outcome. And so that's when you hear of shelters being full and really at a crisis point right now, it's not because more animals are entering. It's because as our rate of intake has been reduced, our outcomes have reduced even further. So right. We're not keeping up with the animals coming in at whatever that number is. So that's really what the the outcry is right now is, is we need um, outcomes for animals that already exist in shelters because more are entering every single day. Gotcha. Okay. So it's not that everyone, well, I mean, I guess... You can kind of assume if people are, are working from home, they were adopting more. That may have happened mm -hmm. in 2020. Yep. But then in 2021, 22, it's not necessarily the case where people were now returning those dogs that they got. You couldn't even make that assumption, right? That's exactly no right. Yes, that's exactly right. That was the headline. And, and I'm sure it was some perception by some organizations. But when we look at it across the board nationally, it was not even close to the case. What we have seen instead, it was as we look at all things being equal, we look at the rate of animals being surrendered to a shelter. So regardless of how many animals that are up or down over the year, we look at the rate and the rate stayed really consistent from 19 through present 2022. Um, but what we have heard a little more anecdotally, we don't yet collect this detail, but other, but we will soon. Um, but we're hearing from other organizations that the reasons why they're being surrendered have changed. And so while it's not more animals overall being surrendered, it may be more animals within a category. So we're hearing now, especially in 2022, a lot more animals within the category of being surrendered are being surrendered within a category related to housing or other economic reasons. And so they may see those categories increase, but the, the rate of animals being surrendered has absolutely not changed, which is the good news because it, it tells us that people are committed to their pets just like they were before. There's no flakiness happening. Like people, the headlines maybe thought of people returning to work and we're just like, exactly. oh, I can't keep this anymore. What's actually happening is they're doing everything possible. They're taking advantage of um, the community services that are being offered. And only when they have absolutely nowhere to turn, are they coming to a shelter to tearfully usually surrender their pet. Gotcha. I mean, it's hopeful that that's the case. So then it must be, um, I mean, I'm assuming again, that the folks that may have lost their jobs or whatnot, that may have impacted the rate of dogs being adopted. Absolutely. Yeah. The housing and the economy challenges 
absolutely are generally related to dog adoptions and particularly large dog adoptions. And so that's really where this gap mostly lies. Cats overall are doing really well with their rate of adoption. They've actually increased quite a bit from about 59% um, in 2019 to now about 64% in 2022. So a five percentage point change is really remarkable for something like that, especially when cats historically for a lot of years were the most at risk in, or in shelters. And so what we're seeing though with dogs is this really flat 53%. <laughs> and so that generally speaking would be a easy thing to make a huge dent in shelter population with just a really incremental change and in boost in adoptions. But we're seeing it go really from 53.4% in 2019 to 53% even in 2022. So we're actually seeing it start to tick downward. And a lot of that, a lot of shelters have a lot of amazing dogs that have been waiting. And sometimes it's also related to not having enough staff to process adoptions when people are interested. And just the whole infrastructure of the animal sheltering system is really, really um, struggling right now for a variety of reasons. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that is good to know that it, I thought we were we were about to like really go into crisis mode, but it seems like mm, it's not as bad as I thought. Well, <laughs> still bad, still bad. But I mean, yeah. it's not like uh, I'll add the caveat that we did start to pull some early 2023 numbers, and it's really not looking good. Oh, January in particular, though. So when we we start to look at the seasonality of sheltering, and and it's different by region based on weather mostly. But when we look at Q1 in shelters across the country, it's usually when we're the, we kind of have it the easiest, so to speak, Q4, and then Q1 is even easier. And um, then Q2 and Q3 get really hard. And we're finding Q1's not doing well with that population balance. We're, okay. that gap is just getting bigger and bitter, bigger when we look at even just January's over the past couple years. Um, so what should be kind of our easy, road right now is is very challenging and so i think shelters are feeling a crisis right now but it's going to be nothing like we're headed into in q2 in q2 which starts in just six weeks oh no okay well we're just gonna have a quick break and when we get back we'll continue talking about well 2023 stats with stephanie filer How many of you have pets? My hand's raised. Now think about how lucky you are to have such a sweet little pet in your life, and that pet is lucky to have you too. But unfortunately, there are countless pets out there that don't have a home to call their own. However, Bob's from Skechers is trying to change that. So we developed Bob's for Dogs and Cats to help pets in need. With every purchase of adorable Bob's footwear or fun, stylish apparel, or even the cutest Bob's pet accessories, Skechers makes a donation to Petco Love to help save shelter pets. And with your help, we've already saved the lives of over 1 million pets and raised over $7 million. So while you're getting style and comfort with features like Skechers' famous memory foam cushioning, you're also helping to save an adorable pet in need and helping another lucky owner be connected with a future best friend and companion. Because happiness is having a loving pet by your side. Find Bob's at a Skechers store, Skechers.com, select pet co-locations, or wherever stylish footwear is sold. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. 
Welcome back to Save a Pooch. We are talking with Stephanie Feiler. She is the executive director of Sheltered Animals Count, an organization that focuses on shelter data reporting. All right, so before the break, we were just talking about the 2023 data and how it's not looking so good. So let's continue on with Q. We are in Q1. Yeah, so Q1 of 2023, um, is really going to be our opportunity as a shelter industry and also as the community to get as many animals outcomed as we possibly can before we start to hit the warmer seasons of puppies and kittens being born, right? more animals picked up as strays, and also adoptions generally start to go down a little bit in Q2 since that's that April. Why is that? There's a lot of theories on it, but April, May, June, a lot of times May in particular is really slow. And I think it's a lot to do with school getting out and graduations and, you know, all of those other things we see, um, even like Sunday with the Super Bowl, we see that a lot of adoptions slow up when there's just other life things going on. So people kind of look to add a pet to their home when they quote unquote, think it's the right time. We try to show that, you know, there's Always a great time, but right. uh, there's a lot of seasonality with people adding a new animal into their home. And so in Q2, generally see more animals coming in and fewer animals going out. And then that continues in Q3. So really the call to action now is for people to support their local shelters and rescues with adopting and fostering and also volunteering since we saw volunteer programs really, really collapse during COVID and not rebound to the level that they were in 2019. Is it back to those levels or not yet? No, it's not even anywhere close. And that's anecdotal just from the organizations that we talked to, since we're not tracking that data specifically. But that is one of the challenges that they cite is and why they're they are in more crisis mode is that they just don't have the staff and volunteers that they usually do or usually would to support mm-hmm. the number of animals in their care. And same with foster. There's a lot of animals that have been in shelters for too long and they would really benefit by being in a home until they're able to be adopted. And there's exactly yeah. fosters. Do you guys play a role in helping shelters prepare for what you guys are anticipating? Yes, we've done a couple of things. We've started to do some trend predictions where we start to forecast where we think the next couple months or or through the year are going to look. We we haven't yet done the full forecasting for 2023 since we wanted a, a quarter of data to be able to predict what the rest of the year is going to look like since Q1 kind of sets the stage for that. But with some early trends showing that Q1 is probably going to be the worst of the last four years, it's not great. We were also um, looking at ways that we can support shelters because there's a lot that the data can tell us and there's a lot more beyond the data. And so a lot of times we get asked, okay, Q1's tough. What, what can we do? And so we started to partner with groups who specialize in some of those best practices. We have tons of resources on our website. The report that I'm referencing with some of these stats too is also on our website as well as interactive dashboards. But really this is the kind of the crisis call to action that we have for this year. We're afraid that if we wait much longer, it's going to be too late to act. Right. Exactly. That's what I would be concerned about as well. What are those call to actions? 
Yeah, so from a, a shelter side, um, I mentioned what they are from the public side about volunteering and fostering and, and adopting for sure. And then of mm-hmm. course, donating is always a need as well. And from the shelter side, there's a lot that organizations can start to do by looking at just their organizational makeup. We spent a lot in this in our industry in the past decade or more of focusing on reducing intakes of trying to keep animals out of shelters unless they absolutely needed to be there. And that's absolutely the right thing to do and it needs to continue. But we've seen in some of the that work in the space have observed that we've maybe over-resourced those areas and maybe under-resourced our outcome-focused areas. And so one of the blogs we um, just did in partnership with an organization that focuses just on outcoming animals mentioned trying to redistribute that organization model to have just as many people staff or volunteers focused on intake prevention as outcoming animals. And then that third bucket being focused on animal care. So a lot of times when we get full of animals, we can, we have to put a lot of resources to caring for those animals. And then we don't have to focus on trying to keep them out to begin with and get them out once they're in. And so that's one of the things that organizations can do to start to turn that curve. There's also, we're seeing a lot, I think it, Personally, I just think it's because of a lot of transition and attrition that we saw with staff in the past four years. It's This work is hard work. It is. It's, it's emotionally exhausting. It's physically exhausting. And we see a lot of people with some historical knowledge that have left the field. And so with that, a lot of basic best practices that we've lost along the way. And so there's really a renewed call to action for getting back to basics and looking at some of our programs and policies and even something as simple as the hours that were open to the public, um, making sure that they're accessible for people and their work schedules. And then there's some really amazing research that's been done over the last decade or more on how we talk about animals, how we market animals, and how we even kind of play to human nature and some sociology traits on giving people fewer options and making it easier for them to make a selection. And so there's all of that's outlined in in this latest blog that we have done. That's just really a, a basic getting back to basics. Some of the stuff we used to do 10 years ago is still really good and we've gotten away from it. And then there's some really amazing innovations that have happened because of the pandemic that we've needed to reimagine things that need to stay. But there's probably some old habits that we've kept from the pandemic, especially in 2020, that probably need to go away because they're creating barriers to outcoming animals versus um, being actually helpful. Mm, What are those? (laughs) I'm curious to know. Yeah. Well, some of them are definitely geared towards the lower staffing levels and making things easier on staff. So some organizations are still not opening their doors to the public for adoptions which is absolute barrier. And that's a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> requiring that they're appointment only or that there's, you know, a lot of structure. And and during the pandemic, I was at a large organization overseeing our adoption program. So I totally get it. And it, it was way more efficient to have appointments and schedule and have a little more order than what we were used to just opening the doors and it be kind of being chaotic <laughs> on weekends. But that chaos is what really produced higher adoption numbers. And so when staffing levels are low, it's an easy thing to do to kind of manage the flow, but it also can be really restrictive to getting pets out. Similarly, the just restrictive hours of operations and programs in general that didn't necessarily come back post-COVID, whether it's lost and found resources or even just the priority of getting 
pets back from foster is another thing um, that we see some organizations really struggling with. Uh, and that can be because of veterinary shortages or just, again, staffing shortages or, or lack of kennel space. And so sometimes the animal movement within an organization becomes bottlenecked. And so getting back to some of those old processes that have worked in the past to, to move animals through faster and, and looking at capacity for care models and, and other just really good operational practices to make sure we're keeping into account an animal's five freedoms as well as the need to continue to provide services. I absolutely agree with everything you've said. There's so many moving pieces. I understand how organizations can just get super overwhelmed. Absolutely. But if you can send me that blog, that'd be great to post. Yeah, I uh, will. On our page. Well, we are out of time and I really appreciate you taking the time to share some uh, important insights with us that the public may not know offhand. I didn't know. And thanks to our show producer, Mark Winter, for making the show possible. You can view the website at shelteranimalscount.org, which will also be on the show notes page. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for a show, please email me at beverly at petliferadio.com. So until next time, spread animal compassion. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.